Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. We are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I are just getting started. Um, kind of a weird, a little bit of a weird episode today because we got, we're supposed to have a Badger basketball game to talk about. And we don't, yeah. but yeah. we do have a Badger football game, so we're going to start with that. Um, I do want to give a quick shout-out to Tyler at Wisco Ball. Um, if you are a fan of the show, you can get Wisco Fanatics uh, T-shirts at WiscoBall.com. Um, you can also get some other really cool stuff. He's got some funny stuff over there. He's got some cool shirts over there, um, some interesting stuff. So if you're a Wisconsin sports fan and you want to get some Wisconsin sports-themed um apparel you can get that and while you're there you can get a wisco fanatics t-shirt so i just want to throw that out there so jake how are you doing did you stay up for the whole that the whole bowl game last night i did um i know me you and mike have the group chat uh me and mike were kind of talking back and forth a little bit um and then all of a sudden it hit halftime and i was like all right man i'm hitting my wall wisconsin i will stay up for you though and I stayed up the entire time. I wasn't texting the group anymore. I was like, I have enough energy to keep this one eye open to see what's going on. And it was an exciting game at the end. I actually sat up and watched the watched the end of it with, with both eyes open. I was like, okay, well, this is pretty getting pretty close here. So <laughs> you better watch this pretty closely. But no, it was a. I thought it was a good game. I liked it. Had some good energy. Um, had some good vibes. Uh, I am sad that uh, Jimmy is gone now, but we sent him off with a W. So. Yes, that's yeah, that's important. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So we're gonna start. Let's start with the let's start with the defense. Or do you want to start with offense? Offense or defense? Pick one. Um start offense and you start real quick. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so batter's offense was really really hit and miss, honestly. Um, like the first half. We had the interception. We had a drop touchdown. Then we had eight straight completed passes. Chase Wolf in the first half completed eight in a row at one point. Um, hit eight different receivers, including freshman JT Seagraves, who was a guy that uh, Braylon Allen shouted out um, pregame. Um, and then, not only that, this kind of counts. I should I shouldn't say kind of. It counts as offense. The Badgers ran successfully a fake punt. 
and it was set up beautifully. Um, and I wanted to bring up that Luke Fickle didn't call the fake punt. Uh, he let the staff decide on that. So that wasn't that wasn't a fickle fake punt. That was uh, decided by the staff, but they went for that. Um, not a lot of deep balls from Chase Wolf, and you know I can't really say that I'm shocked by that. But um, you know the one that he threw, Keontae Lewis didn't make the catch on. But you know, getting into the second half, actually, hold on, real quick on the first half, I got to bring up the time of possession. Yeah. First half time of possession, 23 minutes and 10 seconds for the Badgers, six minutes and 50 cents for Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, second half, Braylon Allen looked fantastic. He got a little banged up, but that happens. And as far as Chase Wolf goes, I will give him credit for one thing. Um, they they really kept a lot of short passes going. Um a lot of short passes going, but like I have to give Chase Wolf credit. He had the sidearm going. He had the sidearm pass going. Um, he was hitting those kind of nice, except for the one that he got batted down. But that you know that is what it is. The one thing out of the whole second half, like we didn't really have like an explosive offense in the second half. But the one thing that I want to bring up is they went for that fourth down. It was fourth and one. They went into the shotgun on fourth and one. They didn't just line up, you know, under center and say, hey, you, you know, you guys know that we're going to run. We know that you're going to run. We know that you know that we're going to run. Yeah. And we're still going to run it. They lined up in shotgun, and then they ran it out of the shotgun. That, to me, it's kind of one of those things where, like, that's just a just a little tiny difference in formations and just maybe just that split second of hesitation by the defense is enough to get that yard. And I think Chesma Lucy got, like, three yards on the fourth down. Um, and then the Badgers score from the turnover. So, overall, I feel like the offense was okay. It was very okay is how I feel about the offense. We did get the Bobby Ingram special on the Skyler Bell end around, so I was happy to see at least one of those during this game. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about the offense? Well... <laughs> I actually agree with your statement that it was okay, but there was actually two deep passes that I remember. The one in the end zone that was dropped, and then there was another one. I believe it was Skylar Bell. Uh, it was our second drive, I believe, and it was a deep pass to the right. And the announcer, hey, hi, Taylor, here you are. Hey, Taylor. Um, <laughs> and he dropped it at, as he was hitting the ground. So, I mean, that sucks. So, Chase, mm. and then the drive after that, he uh, he didn't see the defender, the safety kind of lurking underneath DK, and he thought it was just DK one-on-one. It would have been behind him anyways, but it would have been a, a right decision if it was just man, but that safety was creeping underneath. But I feel like Chase was uh, a little bit more exciting than I expected. I won't lie. I had, I had literally almost zero expectations for Chase Wolf. I was Very like, vanilla. I – do not know what to expect from this guy. Maybe this guy is the fastest guy in the team that I did not know about. Maybe this guy has a rocket arm, can throw it 90 yards. Like, I had no idea. Um, I feel like he was okay. I feel like an offseason, you know, with a new coordinator, I'm actually okay with him coming back. You know, a veteran, a guy that's yeah. played college football. Oh, yeah. I think that could be perfect, you know, especially to usher in the nice young talent that we seem to be getting over these yep. next couple of years. I mean, obviously, we know the the transfer. We talked to Cole last yep. week. 
Uh, yep. Evers, I mean, the transfer. And yep. then uh can't think of his name. Who's the guy we got? You're talking about the guy for 2024? What the heck's his name? Yeah, yeah. Forgot his name. Uh, it's Mavery Mathauer. Mathauer, that's what it is. Um, yeah, we got him coming in too. Um, I need to watch YouTube to get his name down correctly because I was saying it wrong, all wrong the other day. Trevor, um, he called him Trevor Lawrence Jr. That is what he looks like, Taylor. That's fair. It is. That it, hey, if he turns into Trevor Lawrence Jr. and and LaCrue is talking about how he wants to be Johnny Manziel Jr., boy, oh, True. boy. Boy, yeah. oh boy, that's a loaded Allen, room. Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> two of the best college quarterbacks ever. Um, all we need is Tim Tebow Jr. and we'll be set. But uh, no, I I think that he was all right. I think the offense was all right. I like seeing uh, Ches Malusi get out in open space on a run. Yeah, I like seeing DK nearly break that wow. uh, that return. Um, yeah, it was. I think uh, next year is going to be fun. I think the offense is going to be really fun. And I'd like I that agree. you called out the shotgun fourth and one. I love that you called that out because I think we're going to see a lot more of spreading people out, motion, mm-hmm. kind of pro-style offense. Yep. Um, you know, pro-style offense used to be I formation. You know, that was back in right. the 80s, 90s, early 2000s still. What up, my man? What's up, Tim? But now the NFL and Rodgers actually talked about this. He talked about in the red zone, you know, the play that they ran the big dog was a little bit old school because nowadays you just spread everybody out. You go with small, quick guys to try to get open right away. Right. But – I think Wisconsin is going to have a very nice balance of both, which I'm really excited for. All right. Let's talk about the defense. How did you feel about the defense? Tell you what, first half, the defense was freaking flying around everywhere. Except for one Uh, play, but yes. True. Um, You know, actually, that happened. I was in in another chat that we're in. I was talking to Isaac. I was like, man, 84-yard touchdowns were definitely on the cue board to give up for Wisconsin defenses this week. Yikes. But other than that, you're right. It, they were flying around everywhere making plays. Torsio was this freaking close. I know. Dude, I saw him coming up, and that guy stopped, and I was like, oh, baby. I was getting excited, and he dropped it. And I like how uh, the team was giving him shit because he has the self-proclaimed best hands on the team. So I love that <laughs> they were giving him shit for that. Um, other than that, I mean, they gave up some plays here and there. But overall, I thought it was – I think they played really, really hard for Jim Leonard. That's what I really think. So they yeah, played all that's, right. That's a good point. And I, will, oh, I didn't realize, real quick, I didn't realize that Leonard took over safeties this year. And then I thought to myself, well, no wonder that we have three good safeties. No wonder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. All me. right. So that one play, I counted six missed tackles on that one play. Mm. But that was an 84-yard play. Oklahoma State only had 121 total yards of offense in the first half. Yeah. So after that play, they had four punts, and three of them were three and outs. They only had 11 rushing yards in the first half. Yeah, we were shutting that down. Yeah, for sure. Second half, um, we get into it. The Badgers are mixing up blitzes a lot, which is something I really like to see. I hope that's something that happens more next year. Um, not that I don't think the pack, the Badgers can produce guys that can win, you know, just straight one-on-ones. But I, I think that's when the Badgers' defense is more dangerous, when they're stunting blitzes and mixing stuff up like that. I mm-hmm. think that's where we get, like, the the year that we had, not this year, but the year before, when we had Sanborn, Chanel, and and we had Nick Herbig going. When they're, when they're mixing those guys around and moving those guys around, I, I feel like that's where the, the Badgers' defense gets even more crazy. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where we get into the conversations of do the Badgers have the best defense in the country territory. So I mean, we're going to we start got, getting some corner and some safety recruits now. So yes, could get real yes. interesting. We got two turnovers, two big plays from cornerbacks, actually, like you said, one of them mm-hmm. being Jay Shaw getting a huge momentum play where, yeah. you know, Oklahoma State was kind of starting to come back a little bit. And then Jay Shaw gets a tackle and just rips the ball away from the wide receiver. And I want to give Jay Shaw some credit because he's going to the draft. Mm-hmm. And he still played the bowl game. It's very rare. Not a lot of guys are doing that these days. Yeah. And, you know, potentially the play that he made, that might actually raise his draft stock a little bit. Yeah. Um, so good for him. The Badgers after that went two plays, 32 yards, and got a quick Braylon Allen 20-yard touchdown. And then uh, we had the Chase Wolf strip sack. The Badgers defense actually responded really well to that. They forced a three and out. Um, and then it was so gutty because Jordan Turner, he had Wrangle wrapped up. He had him. And he was this far from his knee hitting the ground on the sack on fourth and goal from the one-yard line, but he got that little pitch away, which, you know, good play. It's a desperation play, and they made it, but that is what it is. Mm -hmm. And then we get the Cedric Dort huge play. Like, that was just absolutely fantastic, the way that Cedric Dort jumped in front of the receiver and then basically took over as the wide receiver on the play and made, like, a really nice over-the-shoulder catch for an interception. Mm -hmm. Um didn't get any like news or reports of what happened to his knee because he got kind of undercut by the receiver that took him out and he was limping around on the sideline. But um, I hope he's okay. He was walking around after that. But um, and I also want to give your guy Njong Meta credit because he blew up not one but two screen plays in the second half as well. So I wanted to give him some credit for that. Um, did you know that Oklahoma State started 0 for 10 on third downs before they completed one? I should have known that. I was watching the game, but wasn't paying attention to that. <laughs> they started 0 for 10 on third downs. Crazy. Hmm. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about this game specifically, I suppose? Um, no. Uh. I mean, it was nice, like I said, to send Leonard off for the win. But I'm really, you know, this was only a month. Yesterday marked a month since we hired Fickle. Right. Like, exactly calendar month. So, I, you know, all Badgers fans are kind of feeling the same way that I am, that we're, we're kind of excited to see what is going to happen in this offseason. And obviously, if you watched this last week, you know that Cole is enrolling early to try to put his stamp on things. So now we just added another quarterback he's going to have to compete with, with Chase Wolf. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a crazy, crazy offseason for this Wisconsin Badgers football team. Mm-hmm. But it it's not crazy in the sense that it's like uh, there's no negative tone to it. It's all positive, Yeah, which is really, really refreshing. I'm not going to yes, lie to you, man. Like, it's so sickening. And we could we talk about this with any sport. And I'm not trying to, like, take this to a whole different conversation. But I was thinking about this today because I knew you were going to ask me something like this, right? It's so refreshing to just talk about a team that I love and not have people just, like, knocking them down for everything that they do. Like, that, that is, that's nice, man. Like, I wish we could just live in a world like this all the time. I don't know how, how if you agree. 
but it's the vibes. It's the yeah. vibes. That's good vibes. Like the Packers are starting to get back to that. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get back to those good vibes. We're like, okay, everybody's back on the we can make the playoffs train. But like right now, the the Brewers have okay vibes. Like mm-hmm. they they made a trade that everybody's really excited about, but they also aren't like re-signing guys. So like there's mixed emotions there. And then the Bucks obviously is all bad vibes right now because they've lost three in a row to three good teams, and nobody ever does that. So we should probably trade everybody not named Giannis. Yeah, uh, and fire Budenholzer and John Horst. I saw somebody say fire John Horst also this week, so that happened. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's nice. Like the Badgers, you know, no matter what we're talking about, there's good vibes, except for like three or four people that are still being dicks about Graham Mertz. But that is what it is, dude. Um, we, oh my we've talked God. about that one. I literally saw, you know, Wolf threw that pass into the end zone. Right? I'm not kidding yeah. when I say this. And it was dropped. And somebody said, Mertz couldn't make that throw. I said, Jesus Christ. Did you? First of all, he's gone. So let's move on. Okay. All right. Um, second of all, like, did you, like, watch zero games? Did you literally watch zero games? Or did you somehow only watch when he threw interceptions? Which seems he, he impossible. He threw so many interceptions. He threw the same as he did last year. I just – I literally saw the comment last night, and I was like, that's it. I am not going on Facebook the rest of this game. The only thing I'm going on is Messenger. That's yep. all I did. Yeah. So annoying. Dude. I saw two two posts that were that were saying the best thing about watching the Badgers is not having to watch Grammarts. Jesus Christ. It's like, how shitty of a fan do you have to be that that's what's on your mind over anything else? My God. Anyways, people all right. So, so I want to talk real quick. I just want to mention a couple of things with Jim Leonard before we talk about some players that we're excited for. Yep, yep. Jim Leonard, he had one quote. He was asked about um, where he's going from here. Um, he said, we've had some conversations. This is in reference to the Badgers. We've had some conversations, but I just felt there were some other things that happened that forced me to make the decision to move on. Uh, I'm excited for the future. Whatever that is, I'm not in a rush. So the first half of this where he said there were some things that happened that forced me to make the decision to move on. Like, I don't know if I feel like that either means that he felt like disrespected by the Badgers not giving him the job or... Like, I don't want to say this because I don't necessarily think that's the way that it is. But if it kind of comes off as just bitter, if I'm being honest with you. It does. It does. I 100% agree with you. And when I read that comment, too, I was kind of like, hmm, that sounded like a backhanded compliment. A little bit like on that on that that wavelength of like, is he saying good things? Is he saying bad things? Is he saying nothing at all? Like, I have no idea what he's saying right here, you know? Yeah. So, and then for the second part of it, where he says, I'm not in a rush, that to me, like, just put another brick on the cement wall that I think he's going to take 2023 off. Yeah. I mean, he looked happy with his his kids and his wife last Mm -hmm. night taking photos. And um, I saw that picture with him and uh, Bobby Ingram uh, talking, which, you know, the, the caption on there was, you know, a couple stressful months for these two. And, you know, it probably was. You know, all the pressure yeah. coming down from 
from the school and like we're we're a big program whether people want to believe it or not we're a big Bobby program we put, year with the program too and Bobby back. Ingram was a was a good wide receiver back in his day oh. he wasn't like he wasn't like an all-star or anything like that but he was a good wide receiver oh. put up some decent numbers um so it just kind of goes to show that not every player is just meant to be a coach I guess and I don't mean that as like right. a slight I just mean that as like maybe you were just good as a player and actually Tony Romo, I believe, talked about this one time. And he was talking about not every player can be a coach. And he said, because you can't ask an all-time great guy, you know, just just take Aaron Rodgers, for example, right? Because right. people, my girlfriend's asked me, is Rodgers going to coach? I said, no, no. You take their point of view. They see the game at such a different speed than everybody else. Right. And they may not be able to coach you the way that you need to be coached. Sure. You know, so maybe Bobby Ingram just sees the game differently and, it just isn't correlating with the players in Wisconsin. It just wasn't yeah. a great marriage. But uh, Jim Leonard, I am going to miss him, man, because he definitely represents what it is to be a Badger. Yeah. Um, I know we made the post about J.J. Watt coming here, but that would be whole. Oh, that would be something. Let me tell you, buddy. I oh. So I made that post. I posted mm-hmm. it on Facebook and Twitter when I first yeah. posted that he was retiring. And I made the, you know, I, I was, you know, somewhat joking, you know, that just in time for him to apply to be the Badgers defensive line coach. Yeah. And then during the game last night, it got announced that the Badgers current defensive line coach is going to Stanford with Bobby April. So that position is now open. <laughs> I mean, if, if it makes too much sense it is what it is, but like, sign me up if he's up for it. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, he just had a baby, so I think he'll probably take 2023 off as well. And right. maybe he will get into coaching, but he, he'll definitely be a position coach because he, he seems like that kind of guy that high energy talks yep. a lot of shit, you know. So, yeah, he's got, he, you know, he he's got like his group of guys. I think he would be good as a position coach. So Bill said it's definitely great to have everybody excited about what's coming up next with the Badgers. Even ESPN is saying good things about the recruiting class and Fickle's impact on the program. Yeah, I mean, when you got what? How many four-star recruits did we get just in the last two weeks? Like three or four, at least. All right. Because Medhauer was a four-star recruit. Evers was a four-star recruit. Snowden was a four-star recruit. The wide receiver we flipped from. Um, what was it, Arizona State? He's a four-star recruit. So that's just four off the top of my head. Man. Yeah, I think it's just four. I agree with Bill. I think you just named the four. But, no. dude, Amar- I mean, dude, we got Amar- a wide receiver and a cornerback four-star. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so Crazy. the last thing I want to say about Jim Leonard is – he did say that he's been in some conversations about other jobs, but none that he felt he had to take. Hmm. So I don't and know. And just I'm going to tell you right now. Go ahead. The Packers might reach out. I don't know if they will. I'm just. This is clearly just speculation on my right. part, and I'm just an average Joe, just like everybody else watching, right? But if the Packers call, he ain't turning them down this time. Promise you that. I agree. I will say that Joe Barry's defense, they're getting back to what they were last year. There's a little yep. preview of my notes because I finished my notes today. Um, a little preview is they're starting to force a lot of turnovers now like they did last year. 
So if they continue, because they weren't great great on yardage last year either. Right. So if they continue to force turnovers and give Rodgers and Co. those extra um, you know, possessions every every couple games here, I mean, it'd be hard to get rid of Barry if he got hot in the second half. That's all I'm saying. All those fire Barry people, it'd be hard to get rid of him if he's forcing turnovers. Yeah. And that's I'm still I'm still juries out. Like I'm not yeah coming down either way, like he needs to be kept because of the last three weeks or he still needs to be gone because of the five game losing streak or whatever. I but. agree, dude. I, I will respect whatever decision they make because they are the professionals and they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. It's not like we're the Texans or the bears or the right. lions for how many ever years we are the green Bay fucking Packers. Okay. We don't have that level of stupidity in our, in our building. Okay. We so let's just have it in our fan base. So hopefully Jake and I can help with that. We're trying. Not saying that our entire fan base is dumb, so don't come at me. But yeah, I agree, Bill. See, that's that's what my like gut feeling is too, man. Like mm. he's waiting to see if he gets a call from the NFL. He ha- he this still is, has ties there. That's dude. an interesting. It's a very interesting point, Bill. Bill said, "I think that's why Leonard is not in a rush. He may be waiting to see what happens in Green Bay." That's certainly an interesting comment, and I think Barry and Drayton, when they were hired in 2020, I think it was in late February. If I'm not mistaken, so no Drayton was. I'm not sure about Barry. They were hired on like the same day, I think. Okay. I know we talked about them on the show on the same day. Yep. I know that for a fact. I I remember doing the research on them. So yeah, yeah. I remember. And that. that's when I started calling Joe Barry the linebacker whisperer, which I stand by because Kingsley Anigbari is coming out of the fifth round and making the loss of Rashawn Gary not hurt as bad as we would have expected. Did you see what happened in Igbari against Alec Ingold, though? Yeah, Alec Ingold owned him. Wisconsin, <laughs> little Wisconsin Penn State ownership. That's that Wisconsin farm boy strength right there, baby. Woo! <laughs> yes, Alec Ingold definitely did get the best of him. All right. So instead of doing three stars for this game, mm-hmm. Jake and I decided to do players that were excited to watch in 2023 after watching last night's bowl game. So we got the very little small bare bones version of what the Luke fickle system is going to be like. Um, most of the old staff was in control of the game. Um, it just seems some of the new guard at the coaching positions were kind of just overseeing more than they were actually, you know, implementing, uh, which I, you know, I, I think is probably the way to go instead of trying to implement an entirely new scheme in three weeks. I think that's what a lot of spring practice is going to be about. And then obviously fall practice, but mm-hmm. three players and I have one honorable mention. Sorry. I broke the parameters, but so three players that you're excited <laughs> for in 2023. I think we're going to have at least one that is certainly the same because we talked about it before the show, but give me your three. Should I start with my honorable mention or should I start with my three? Uh, do your honorable mention first and okay, then do your so... three, two, one. My honorable mention, I'm putting CJ Getz on there. And that's not a slight. Um, even though I know that he's a good player and he's improved, um, it'll be interesting because we're changing defensive schemes. And I, one play that he made last night that really made me like, oh, okay, he can transition. He was looking like he was going to come off the edge. And he actually dropped back into the flats and covered the screen on the wide receiver, a really fast little, little like scat back type wide receiver. And I was like, Okay, CJ's a big boy getting out there looking athletic. I like it. So that made me excited for CJ. Um, my number three, it, it's all offense, so I'm sorry. Um, 
My number three is Skylar Bell. Um, and there's going to be a trend here. I know what we're getting on defense. Like I know that we have people that are prideful. I know that we have a defense that's going to want to fly around. And I'm just really, really excited for the offense. And I think that Badgers Nation is with me on this. Spreading the ball out is something that we only dreamed of or we did on NCAA 14. Yeah. So Skylar Bell, I'm excited for. Because he he's shown the ability to get deep, get intermediate. Same thing with my number two. My number two is Chimere DK. I'm very excited for DK. DK needs to clean up a little bit of the drop issue. I'm not saying a lot, a little bit, and no. get a little bit more consistent with how crisp his routes are. But other no, than that, I, I think next year in an air raid offense and a quarterback that could maybe sling it around, I think DK could absolutely flourish in that. And then my number one is Braylon Allen. You're getting a truck out in open space. And the way that I look at it is you look at Giannis in basketball, right? People always back off, back off because you can't shoot. But what you're doing essentially is giving him like a mini lane to pick where he wants to go, right? And Giannis has gotten very, very good at that in the last couple of years. So now with Braylon Allen, you got this big old boy, 240, in open space with the ball in his hands. And a little little corner ain't going to be too willing to come up on him in late November or late October, early November area and try to make a, try to make a hit on this guy. So he's going to have a little mini lane where that guy's hesitating just a second. He's going to run their ass over. I'm so excited for that. I like the spread offense. And, yeah. you know, you talked about a quote from him earlier about not facing as many people in the box. I think that's going to help him out because I still think that we have a much big mauler offensive lineman. So, I think the offense next year is what I'm going to be most excited about, even though me and you have both said when we watch Badger football, we love watching the defense fly around, right? Yep. So I want to just kind of touch on your your mentions. CJ gets the other thing that I wanted to bring up was there was a play where he was lined up to the left of the quarterback, mm-hmm. and they did an off-tackle run to the right, and it was like an eight-yard run. And CJ Getz was the one that went and made the tackle, like right at the sticks. So that to me, that reminded me like almost exactly of why I loved Jack Heflin so much. Because even though he's on the opposite side of the play and, you know, it might look like he's out of the play and he could just, you know, start jogging and wait for somebody else to make the play. He went and got back in the play. That's the type of effort that I love seeing from players on the football field. So that to me, like CJ Getz was a very Jack Heflin-esque play to get that one. Um Cincinnati didn't really have a Braylon type running back. So their air raid variation is going to make things really interesting. I'll spoiler alert. I have Braylon Allen on my list as well. And one of the quotes that Braylon Allen actually said before the game was that he's excited for 2023 because he's looking forward to facing five or six men boxes and not eight. And that's the type of, like Jake said, spreading the ball around that forces teams to not be able to just line up one-on-one with wide receivers expecting us to run the ball 60% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we might see fewer 20, 25, 30 carry games for Braylon Allen, but we might see more, you know, 20, 22 carry games, but with either similar or even more yardage potentially. And I think that's what gets us excited about Braylon Allen. And he'll still get the, the 25 touches. Right because I think he'll catch the ball a few times a game. Sure. Um, and then you brought up Kimberly DK and Skylar Bell. 
If we're talking about slinging the ball around and airing it out a little bit, I want to throw Keontas Lewis in there as well. So this is kind of an honorable, honorable mention. But Keontas Lewis, to me, I feel is our is the Badgers' best deep threat wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, okay. He seems to be the guy that's able to get behind the defense the best. Skylar Bell is definitely up there. And Kim Ray DK is always a threat to run after the catch. But I, I really believe that Keontas Lewis is the best deep threat wide receiver. So seeing him potentially get some deep shots would be interesting as well. So for my list, my honorable mention is Andy Vujnovich. I honestly, <laughs> I, I tweeted this out last night and I stand by it. Like, this dude might be playing on Sundays at some point. Yeah, you never know. Dude, he's just launching punts down. And he's, I mean, I've had him in my three stars or underrated performer a couple times this season, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not sexy that the punter is a guy who's performing well, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a position that you want to perform well. Mm-hmm. And then you mix in the fake punt and he got the big, was like 17 yard run, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, that's fun for him. And then the other two I have are on defense. One of them is Jake Cheney. I think he's going to start at middle linebacker next year, depending on what else happens in the transfer portal. There's like another another window that opens on, I want to say it's like January 5th or something like that. There's like another transfer window or something. Okay. Um, and there's just constantly more players going into the transfer portal. And then the last one I have is Cedric Dort. Uh, we got to see a glimpse of what he can do last night when he made that crazy interception. Uh, he was a transfer last year. So, you know, he's obviously going to have a little bit more competition with some more uh, defensive backs coming in. Uh, but I th- I think he's going to have an opportunity to do a lot of good things. Um, we mentioned the Chase Wolf is coming back. We've already seen that Cedric – or not Cedric. Um, Chaz Malusi is coming back for next year. Uh, Michael Fertney also announced that he's coming back for next year. And Alexander Smith as well. So some more depth and some interesting positions, offensive line, running back, and Alexander Smith as a cornerback. So um, it's good to have depth at those positions for sure. All right. Is there anything else that you want to say about this Badger game except for the field was absolute trash? <laughs> yeah. Didn't even mention that. But no, man, it was uh, good to end a year in a W. And avoid the first losing season since 2001 so that was nice true good point and just to avoid like the irrational knee-jerk reaction of oh my god the badgers lost their first game under luke fickle was this a mistake like yeah i hate to say that i think that that's how people would react but it also wouldn't surprise me no no i agree with you agree with you all right Let's stick with the Badgers. We'll switch to Badger basketball. Thankfully, this is going to be a really quick segment. (laughs) (laughs) The Badgers basketball game against Grambling State was canceled on Friday night because of the insane cold and then wind that made it even colder. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike said, thank you, Jimmy. Um, The wind and the the cold, it was like negative 40 with, with the wind chill around here. So that game is not planned to be rescheduled, so the Badgers will just have one less game in the non-conference schedule. But they have two games coming up between today and next Wednesday. They play Friday night against Western Michigan at home and Tuesday night against Minnesota that is also at home. Um, I'm glad they get that Western Michigan game before playing Minnesota. They get that rust breaker now that they haven't played in almost two weeks. So I'm good yeah. to I'm glad to see they'll get that game. I honestly I expect the Badgers to be a little rusty in that game, if I'm being honest with you. I think this is one of those games where, like, the Badgers, like, legit could have a bad shooting game 
it's not anything to freak out about. They haven't played in two weeks. But you know, that being said, um, I do I do predict two wins for the Badgers between now and next Wednesday. I predict two wins as well. Um, I haven't watched much of Minnesota, so maybe I should feel a little in eh about that one. But Western Michigan, like you said, I definitely expect them to have some uh, tired legs is what I'll say, which will definitely yeah. affect the shooting to your point. So um, I think uh, I think the Minnesota game could also be affected because of playing, you know, back-to-back kind of that close after not playing for so long. But, yeah, I predict two wins as well. I'll have to uh, do a little bit more research on Minnesota, and uh, we'll talk about that next week, though. All righty. Is there anything else you want to say about Badger basketball? I hope we we get to see them play the rest of the season in the black jerseys. That's all I'll say. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they were supposed to debut those last Friday. Yeah. And it's really weird. I, I can't wrap my head around why. But despite not playing a game, the Badgers moved up two spots in the AP poll. Dude, <laughs> that makes – oh, my God. I was so pissed. I was kind of pissed. I was like, so we when we're winning games, you don't put us in the top 25. And now we just don't play, and we're just moving up for no reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, these people, man. Who's in charge like, I, over there? I opened up the rankings, and I'm like, I'm fully expecting them to still be at 17. And I'm like, they moved up? Yeah. I, it, I don't know, man. I, what I don't know. It is what it is. I'll, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah, I'll t- yeah, yeah, I'll take it, yeah. All right. Are you ready to switch to Bucks basketball? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So this is this is going to be three games that obviously the Bucks lost, but mm-hmm. we're all going to collectively we're going to do a reset. Okay, Bucks fans. So everybody that's a Bucks fan, take a deep breath. Just let it out. Let it out. Yes. It's going to be okay. It'll be fine. It's not even freaking January, people. Okay. Literally, the calendar has not turned. We (laughs) aren't even into the dog days of the NBA season yet. No. Not even to the All Star break yet. Oh, boy. And we're acting like it's the, we just got eliminated in game seven. (laughs) So we need to just take a breather, just calm down. And just reset the brain because an angry brain is an overreactive one. And we're not here to be angry. We're here to chill out. Because, yes, like Taylor said, it's three games. And, listen, it's not three games against, you know, the Rockets, the Wizards, and the Magic. It was the the Cavaliers, the Celtics, and the Nets, who are the other three of the top four in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Taylor, you need to chill out in the comments a little bit. You can yell. I yell all the time. It's okay. <laughs> that's good, Bill. Hey, Bill, breathe through your nose, not through your mouth. That's your that's your body's natural filter system, and it'll help you with your fight or flight response. So a little tip for you there. All right. So I have a feeling I know who at least one of yours is, but who is your Bucks power pair and underrated performer from the last week? All right, so I'll start with the obvious one, Giannis. Obviously, Um, he averaged 32.6, 12 rebounds, 4.6 assists. Um, He added three steals, two blocks for the total for the week. 
and he shot 56% from the field. So, again, fantastic stuff. Um, Brooke uh, was my next one. He averaged 17 points, five rebounds. He shot 71% from the field, 22 of 31. He shot five of 10 from three, so that's 50%. He added four steals and two blocks for the week, so Brooke was fantastic. And this feels so good. My underrated performer, our boy, Pat Connaughton. He's shooting the ball better. He's shooting with confidence. His legs yeah. look like they're back. Um, he averaged nine points, three rebounds, almost two assists. He shot 12 to 25 from the field and six of 13 from three. So he was making big time threes, hustling, doing the Pat Connaughton stuff. He always hustles. I mean, we literally don't even have to say that anymore. We, we say Pat Connaughton, and people should just assume that he was hustling. Hustle. Okay? He's still hustling right now. Hustle. His name is Pat Hustle Connaughton. That's what his name is from now on. So my boy, you know, Pat, he played well. Um, and, you know, to your point about this, let's take a breather thing. You know, and I said this to you before. This You could put these three games against any three-game stretch in the season, and this could be the most difficult three-game stretch that you could pick throughout the entire yeah. year. Because they were all on the road and they're all versus top opponents. You know, you could pick out top duos for every team, and they level up every time we went, right? You know, you got the Cavaliers, they blew a couple leads against us. You got the Nets who feel like they should beat us. You got the Celtics who heard, oh, you went to the finals because Middleton was hurt. And they're trying to still prove themselves. And, and Tatum's trying to take over Giannis for the MVP race. And like, there's all this stuff going on. It's all right. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made on that, that this is going to be their toughest three-game stretch. Yes. Um, my dad said the worst part of the national media will say that they don't think the Bucks are worth the crap. Hate hearing that. And that's, that's you know what? That's honestly, it's part of why Jake and I do this show is that we hate the way that national media, A, carries themselves, and B, represents Wisconsin. So the A part of that is carrying themselves as – it's super easy to make clickbaity titles out of the Bucks are on a three-game skid. Are they done? Are the Bucks should the Bucks be worried? Because people will click on it. Mm-hmm. Which I like honestly, I despise the nature of sports media being such clickbait bullshit. Like I can't stand that about like modern sports media. Absolutely hate that. Secondly, just Wisconsin sports in general. I don't know that we're ever really going to get to a point, and I would say probably not where, regardless of the quality of the product, whereas the Bucks are still the second best team in the NBA record-wise, that they'll still be talked about as much or as fondly as the Knicks, the Nets, the Mets, the Jets, the Giants, any of the New York teams, or the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls, the Bears. I mean, the Bears are eh, but people put Justin Fields in the MVP conversation for like three weeks. Or, you know, the Dodgers or the Rams, Chargers, any of the teams that are in L.A., I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where Wisconsin sports are as well-represented or well-talked about or even just as long talked about as any of the New York, Chicago, or L.A. teams. I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. So those people can come watch us, and we'll talk about just Wisconsin, and everybody else can fuck off. Let me uh, let me make a point about the national media-wise trash, right? So everybody was showing that, that highlight or uh, that little clip of John Morant because he's the new media darling right now. 
mm-hmm. him and Luca kind of dominate the the media right now. Sure. And John Moran had that interview with one of the twins off of NBA uh, Live or whatever, and he said, "I'm fine in the West." You know, he talked about how he wants to just play. You know, the Celtics are the only team. You want to know what their record is against the West? Nobody's going to talk about this. They nine are and nine ten. and ten. They are under five hundred against the West, but nobody's going to bring that up. They're just going to show that quote because it goes hard, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Let's not downgrade him, but you know, and here's the other thing I'm going to talk about. I was going to wait till we got to the games. Everybody wants to talk about how Giannis is dirty and how he how he's a he's a truck. How are we going to start talking about how players are fouling this guy? Are we going to talk about that? People wants to show Giannis for going back at at a player during the Nets game, but they don't want to talk about how Royce O'Neal threw him to the ground just the last quarter. That shit's really irking me too, man. It's like nobody nobody's gonna nobody's gonna talk about this, huh? They're just gonna talk about Giannis doing it. That shit shit really bothers me, man. Yeah, you're not wrong, Josh, but we don't wish injury on anybody. All right, let's start with the Cavaliers game. To me, this was the first quarter. They were kind of done regardless of the comeback attempt because of what happened in the first quarter. So Mm -hmm. first quarter, zero assists. Seven turnovers in one quarter. Yeah. Um, Giannis was kind of doing it all, especially with the scoring. 17 of the first 28 points by the Bucs were scored by Giannis. Bucs, 14 turnovers in the first half and only five assists on 15 made field goals. Mm. That's a rough first half. Um, And I'm going to say this so that it prefaces something that I'm going to say in a minute. Giannis played in the entire 12 minutes of the third quarter. All 12 minutes. Played the entire third quarter. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about Giannis getting rest from like the 10-minute to the 7-minute mark in the fourth quarter. A, Giannis played the entire third quarter. And B, Giannis also had four fouls at that point. I mean, he is still human. I understand he's a freak, but, you know. He needs yeah. to breathe at some point. <laughs> you, yeah, you also, you know, four fouls. That's obviously two away from falling out. So he's going to sit for a little bit in those two circumstances. True. The Bucks, as a team in the third quarter, were 7-11 from the three-point line. And they only won the quarter by two. Hmm. Which, you know, it is what it is. The Bucks had nine assists on 12 made field goals in the third quarter. So that's way better. Um, they got the lead down as low as four. And then the fourth quarter, you know, it was still better than the first half was, but six assists on 12 field goals, only two for eight on threes in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to highlight from this game was the, this is the third match that the Bucks have had with Cleveland. The Bucks won the first two. The difference to me was the star backcourt of the Cavaliers. So the first game, <clears throat> um, this is Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. In the first game, they combined for 46 points, which is good, but it took them 39 field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. The second game, they scored 49 points together. It took them 42 field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. And then in this game, they scored 59 points together on only 40 field goal attempts. Yeah. That's a pretty big difference to me. Obviously, we got Giannis's season high on field goal or on points with 45. He was 17 of 27 from the field. 
uh, 14 rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. I mean, Drew Holiday had a tough shooting game, but he did still record nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and two blocks, and had the highest plus-minus on the team. So that just goes to show that there are more aspects to the game other than scoring and just staring at how many points a guy put up. There are other aspects to the game. Pretty weird that you said that, but it's true. <laughs> it needs to be said because people still forget it. Um, so, you you still going? I got one more thing. I'm just going to bring okay. up the fundamental okay. failures real quick. Yep, yep, go ahead. Because it starts a trend, and it's a pretty disturbing one, and it annoys me. The Bucks missed seven free throws. They allowed 18 second chance points, which is too many. Yeah. And 22 points off turnovers. Keep Keep that that in the back of your mind points off turnovers uh 47 fundamental failure points ouch <laughs> that's that's ouch. a big ouch they averaged 33 last year so that's big ouch well above the average um yes. so i'm glad you brought up the backcourt because first thing i wrote down for my notes for this game was mitchell and garland plays like this played like the stars they are and that was the biggest thing to me. And if you looked in the third quarter, that was the quarter in the first two matchups where the Bucks kind of just took off and didn't look back. Yep. Donovan Mitchell was not allowing that. He had 15 points in the third quarter for the Cavaliers. So he was kind of like, all right, get on my back. And then when the Bucks made the run, because the Cavaliers had to lead as big as 24 points, they cut it to yep. five late in the fourth quarter. The guy who made the shot that kind of ended all that comeback stuff was Garland. And the one area that they killed was that little – Middle of the paint floater, little mid-range fadeaway jumper area, they both killed right there. And if you're going to beat the Bucs with the way that we play defense, uh, we sag our bigs underneath the basket and rebound the ball very well. Um, no, the Cavs are definitely not no joke, uh, Josh. We know that. But yep. I also know that the Bucs at full strength can take care of the Cavaliers. So I'm not worried about that. To me, but- to me that game and just that specific point that you made about making those floaters and those mid-ranges, Mm-hmm. That to me is where it's one of those games where the Cavaliers win a game in a series, but not the entire series. Yep, a hundred percent. I think it would go five, maybe six, if the Cavaliers get ungodly hot from deep, which yep. Kevin Love made one of the dumbest threes I've ever seen in my life. Um, they also had a lot of a uh, couple breakaways. Uh, one where Kevin Love threw the ball from out of bounds, which he's done for a long time now. And, yeah, he's and, got uh, Osmond, Osmond caught it in 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 stride. It was a great pass. So. Uh, the Cavaliers are definitely a good team. I don't know if they're like a good team, if you know what I'm saying. Like, they don't scare me. Like the Nets clicking right now, the Nets clicking right now scares me. You know, and you know, and I'll I'll give you a couple of my points when we get there. But um, the Nets are still more scary than the Cavs. Let's, but let's go right into it. Let's go right into it. To me, okay. the Cavaliers are like the 2019 Bucks, where it's like, okay, they're starting to. You know, this team is – they're going to go places in the future. Yep, I agree with that. You could you could see the young talent with a little yeah. bit of mixture of of the veterans that they have, you know, like Kevin Love, like I, right. I mentioned. And Jared Allen actually had a really, really good game. And talking about the Nets, uh, Claxton had a really, really good game for them. I um, want to like Claxton. I know, me too. he was doing dumb shit in this game. I know, me too. I, I like his game. I do. I felt he bad seems, for him that he was getting like ignored in Brooklyn the last two years. I think he's a guy that could slide right in for Brook Lopez when he leaves and just just continue the greatness at center. He blocks shots and he runs to the rim. 
Yeah. Him, him doing that would be awesome for the Bucks. Him and Giannis running to the rim would be unstoppable, I think. They're both super long. They both can defend the, defend the rim. So, Claxton, please come to Milwaukee. Um, but he had a really, really good game. I think Ben Simmons is playing really good basketball now. He's he's not like – and you, you say there's more ways to affect – Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Begin the scoring. And he's never going to be that guy that's going to drop 30 on a consistent basis. Right. If you get a, if you get a, a 25-point game out of Ben Simmons, he whooped your ass. Just gonna tell you that right yeah, now. That's fair. But Ben Simmons is passing the ball well. He's being aggressive down low. They're actually using him the correct way that they should. Yeah. Obviously, we know what KD is. I don't have to. I don't have to sit here and tell you what KD does. No. KD does whatever the hell KD wants, right? No. If you get him to miss, then you're thankful. Yep. Kyrie's actually seems like he's bought into the to the Nets and just playing basketball. And if you can yeah. get Kyrie to just focus on basketball and not all that other shit. Which I'm sure he had a really, really long sit down with some pe- very important people with the Nets organization. Right. Yeah. If you could get him to hone in for six months and say, yeah. Kyrie, we're giving you millions and millions of dollars to dribble and score basketball. And he's actually an underrated passer. I've said this before. But if you yeah. can get Kyrie to do that with KD, that's almost impossible to stop. And another player I really want to like until I saw the dirty foul he did on Giannis and nobody's talking about it is Royce O'Neal. And I understand what he was trying to do. He was just trying to stop Giannis from getting the layup. But the fact that he just went like this and Giannis went down, he didn't try to hold him or anything, that pissed me off. And then people want to talk about how Giannis is dirty because he he kind of grabbed Claxton. I won't lie. He brought Claxton down with him. Like, if I'm going down, you're going down. But at a certain point, don't you just get sick and tired of people like ripping on your arms and stuff? Like, I would get annoyed by that. Yeah. I used to defend LeBron back in the day. Like, yeah, of course he's going to flop. He's getting hacked 75,000 times every game. But he's right. too strong, so he fights through it. It's the same thing with Giannis. Yep. But Royce O'Neal threw him to the ground. He had a really good game, by the way. He was 6-9 and nine and 5-8 from three. He made that a couple a really killer. big threes. Royce O'Neal's a box killer. He was in Utah, too. But the Nets are playing good basketball. They had 30 assists, 12 to 12 turnovers, where the Bucs had 17 assists and 18 turnovers. So, I mean, yep. the, Nets, the, Nets, the Nets are a good team if they could put it together. If you could just hone in Kyrie, Royce O'Neal starting to come along. I mean, that, that's why I had him on my list. And the thing about this game is they were way more physical and the Bucs did not respond to that physicality. So when we get to our players list, you'll, you'll hear some stuff. And, you know, it's a trend that continues into the Christmas Day game as well. Yep. Um, so I want to say Giannis had a great first quarter. He was eight points on four or five shooting, and he had one really, really nice assist to Brooke Lopez. He got doubled on a screen. He did like one of those wraparound passes. Mm-hmm. From the top of the three-point line, right to Brooke Lopez in the middle of the paint, which transitions well because the Bucks used Brooke Lopez in the paint a lot in this game. They did something that I saw people calling for during some of the other games, and you know they did it a lot in this game. Um, I got to give Drew the the buzzer beater behind the backboard shot some credit because people don't know this, but Bucks fans do, is that he works on that. Like Drew works on that behind the backboard shot and just seeing seeing him make it and kind of fall into the cameraman and KD just looking at him like, damn, you really just made that? 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like KD wasn't even mad. He was just like, damn, dude. Yeah, that was great defense by KD, to be honest with you. That's Drew step back. And yeah. you take a step back and shoot from behind the backboard, and it's like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, great shot. And then he hits it. And it's like, damn it. It's just like, hey, man. <laughs> um, Bobby went on a nice little mini run in the third quarter. The Bucks got the lead down to 10. Um, the Bucks got the lead down to 10 a couple times, actually. They got it down to 102-92, and then the Nets went on an 11-0 run and basically just finished the game off that way. Yeah. Did you notice that Giannis did not score in the fourth quarter? No, actually, I didn't notice that, no. He had two assists, and that was it. <sighs> Brooke Lopez made a couple threes, and the backbreaker was that Royce O'Neal was answering them. That's that's what the important thing in the fourth quarter to me was. The Nets also were consistently using three defenders on Giannis. See, so you got to do, man. Others yeah. got to make shots. It, it, when we get Chris Middleton back, that's exactly you ain't gonna use where I was going people. with that. Sorry. That's exactly <laughs> where I was going with that. When when the Bucs have Middleton back and when Ingles is getting you know getting going a little bit, now Pat Connaughton is starting to get going a little bit. Mm-hmm. When the mm-hmm. Bucs shooters are going, like Bobby Portis is another example. He's shooting like 30% on threes this year. When his first year in Milwaukee, he was at like 45%. Last year, he was at like 38 Mm-hmm. So Bobby Portis is going to improve at the three-point line just because the law of averages would say so. Yep. So the Bucks shooters are going to improve, and teams won't be able to focus that much attention on Giannis, and then we'll get back into where the Bucks are blowing teams out because they're just making all of their threes because you can't stop Giannis and open threes. Um, you already brought up the assists to turnovers. Um, I also want to bring up that Brooklyn had 24 fast break points in this game as well. Hmm. So the Bucks need to get back on defense a little bit better. You brought up the Kevin Love pass that he got away with off of a made basket. Um, just the Bucks just got to focus a little bit on that. Just focus on getting back on defense a little bit. For fundamental failures, only missed five free throws, which is good. Mm-hmm. Eleven second chance points, which is also good. Like I'll take that. Anything under fifteen ish, I would say, is good. Brooklyn, 24 points off turnovers. That's so many. Yeah, it's it's not pretty. So you get 16 fundamental failure points from second chance points and missed free throws, and then you got to just throw a giant 24 on the top of it to add up to 40. That's how you lose games. That's, that's fair. So... I'm just going to use this to transition because it's not any better in the Celtics game. The Bucs missed no. six free throws. They only gave up six second chance points. 22 points off turnovers. They went 22, 24, 22. To me, you look at the Bucks' three-game losing streak and you look no farther than that. I have hammered on it since we started doing this show that you take care of the basketball. I want to see the Bucs just commit. Two or three fewer turnovers per game on average. Just just get in the top 12 in the NBA in turnovers. Mm-hmm. And it will like solve. Not, I'm not going to say it's going to solve all of their problems, but it will massively affect the way that they're losing some of these games. 22, 24, and 22 points off turnovers in these three games. That's huge to me. And you know what? We were texting during the Christmas Day game, 
And I was like, God damn, man, they're so freaking sloppy. And then, you know, we're both talking and I'm like, man, they've been sloppy for like a few weeks. And you're like, I 100% agree. And then they had the one turnover where Bobby got the ball and he looked like he could have pushed it. And he's done this before. So I don't know what's going on right now, right? He could just push it past half court. We'll reset up there, right? Instead, he tries to go behind him and throw it to Drew Holiday and the ball's turned over. It's like, ah, and then I forgot to even bring this up. I wrote this down. I forgot to bring this up. In the Cavaliers game, what is one of the unwritten golden rules of basketball? You do not save the ball under the opponent's basket. Yep. And what did Brooke Lopez do? Threw it right to the Cavalier. I'm like, this team's not get- this team is getting in their own way right now. Like, I'm gonna give credit to the opponent for playing well, but right. I'm also going to, you know, discredit the Bucks for kind of playing sloppy basketball we're gonna talk about it we we took aspects from each of the three games so after we talk about the Mm -hmm. Celtics game we're gonna go back through the three and look at one thing in each game that the Bucks can improve so we're gonna do that as well so what did you see in the Celtics game that stood out to you yep I'm just gonna say it this is gonna hurt the best duo in the NBA is Tatum and Brown um that I honestly believe that both of them can get to the rim. They can both fly. They can both finish at the rim. They can both shoot from mid range. They can both get hot from three. They're both wing players. You could set them in pick and rolls. You can you could set up plays for them to shoot coming off a dribble, coming off a screen, coming off a dribble. I mean, they're the best duo in the NBA right now as we speak. Um, they combined for seventy points in this game, so I feel like Tatum and Brown really just. Yeah, they, they just controlled the entire pace of this game. One of them was always on fire. I mean, Brown started this game, and I was like, Jesus Christ, is this guy about to make 20 for 20 on us? This guy could not miss. And I was like – Unless it's free throws. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but from the three-point line, man, he was just – he's doing the pull-up threes. I'm like, oh, no. And then they're both making threes where they're standing still getting guarded, and they just decide to shoot, and it goes in. I'm like – only against Milwaukee, you bastards. I know. And that's going to tie no. into my improvement. Because the they just played quarter. the Rockets and they were shooting bad. I mean, I know they won the game, but they were shooting bad for like three and a half quarters last night against the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And the Rockets are improved, but like, come on, man. The Rockets aren't on the Bucks level. But the, the Celtics wanted that game. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, another thing I saw is the Celtics – Early on, we're throwing all the punches, and that's something that I didn't like. I, I would like the Bucks to respond a little bit sooner, and they did. They responded. They they went on their runs, and they had a brief lead, but you know they they really didn't get it back. And it is what it is, man. Like I said, this is a tough three game stretch on the road. And when we talk about what's next for Milwaukee, I mean the the schedule gets a lot lighter. So yes, I'm looking forward to some W's so people can calm down. Yeah. Um. If I have to be honest, like I could legit see the Bucks going on a seven-game win streak. Looking at that schedule, hundred yeah. percent. So to me, from the Celtics game, Celtics they made eight of 13 threes in the first quarter. Like I don't know what it is when the Bucks play the Celtics that like everybody on the Celtics turns into either Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. Dude, even Al freaking Horford. Exactly. The dude freaking missed like, from the wing percent on threes, but makes like fifty against the Bucks. Dude, he missed from the wing. Literally, they got the ball back after we missed. He shot from the same exact spot, maybe two feet to the right, and he just cashed it. And I was like, I told you the statistics on that, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. But it's like, 
Not again with this guy, dude. I was about to get upset if Horford is killing us. I can live with Tatum and Brown. Right. Oh, welcome to the show, Dan. You're a little bit late, but better late than never. So Celtics make eight threes in the first quarter. Not a single three in the second quarter. So second quarter is a little bit better defensively, but, mm-hmm. you know, to me, the Bucks' offense wasn't the problem in this game either. Uh, Pat had a little bit of a stretch where he was getting shots that were going like halfway down and then popping out, but he stuck with it, and then he went on an 8-0 run by himself. Pat Connaughton did. He actually got the start back in his home state, so mm-hmm. good for him for that. <clears throat> Played well in this game. The, the other main thing that I want to say from this game is, like, I have to give Boston credit. They get back on defense against Giannis better than any team in the NBA. They are, you know, we saw what happened with, with Nick Nurse's Raptors in 2019, but the the current and last season playoffs, Boston Celtics, they get better. Uh, they get back on defense better versus Giannis in transition than any other team in the NBA. And you know what? God, I don't want to give the Celtics their flowers, but they actually do have a couple players on their team that could guard Giannis very well. I mean, Al Horford is a terrific defender. You know, And they can but, contrast the guys they send at him. Yeah, and, you know, we trash Blake Griffin quite a bit, but Blake Griffin can take a little bit of that pounding and – you know, only because he has to do it for, for a few minutes. And then they throw right. Horford in there. And then they throw Williams in there. Yeah. And, you know, they do a very good job of rotating defenders on Giannis as well. So, right. I wanted to make that point as you were talking about them getting back on defense. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's, you know, I think it's responsible of us to give Boston credit where it's due. It hurts because I hate Boston as a city. but Because their fans are trash. Uh, but their fans are terrible people. But their basketball team is good. I like how uh, Brogdon was like, Milwaukee is racist. And then he goes and plays in Boston. I'm like, um, yeah, you might want to check their I history. I think the only guy. thing that he could do would be worse. Like, he's already in Boston, which I think is the worst one for it. But, yeah. like, the only thing that he could do to put a cherry on top of this is to go play in Philly next year. That is That is the worst sports city in America. Not even close. Philly is horrible. Yeah. To me, seeing the way that Boston fans were reacting during last year's playoffs, like I would say Boston, but Philly's a close second. I think Philly's the worst because they're just, I don't know. I, I just think Philly's the worst. I think Boston is a close second, kind of up there with New York. Boston and New York are up there. Sure. I, I don't really consider Chicago sports fans because they're all idiots, but. Right. They're not assholes, at least. They're just dumb. <laughs> That's mean of us to say. <laughs> Where's not the lie? True. I'm just talking shit. Where's the lie? I'm just talking shit. Dude, I can, we can have so many people pissed at us right now. I'm just talking shit. Don't take what it personal. Would you rather be, though? Would you rather be stupid or an asshole? I'd rather be an asshole. I don't want to get... Both, well, then you're from Chicago. <laughs> It's too easy with Chicago, bro. I hate oh, them. Shit. Or, or you're right. from Minnesota. You know, it's it's Viking Hate Week. We got to give Minnesota that that hate too. True. Dude, and they actually are yeah. stupid. Like, let's just be honest about that. They say some dumb shit. 
Yeah. All right, so let's go. So, all right, we know the Bucks are on a three-game losing streak, but let's let's try to find a way to focus on some growth, and yeah. let's let's talk about some ways they can improve. So, looking at the Cavaliers game, what did you see that the Bucks can improve on that? So, the way that the Bucks can improve on the Cavaliers game is the one thing that really, really killed me, and I know that all these things that we're going to talk about, mainly me are easier said than done. But the thing that I'd like them to, to improve on with the Cavaliers is not allowing the dribble drive so easily. And mm. Garland and Mitchell are two terrific ball handlers. And and Mitchell is very deceptive with his speed and quickness. And he's a strong guy. He's put on, he's put on some yeah. muscle since he's come into the league. So yeah. um, I think cutting down on the dribble drives and being a little bit more aggressive and bodying them up, I think that could change a lot of stuff in their game, which – Definitely is what I expect in the playoffs because it's more physical, right? So they're not just going to be getting to mid-range without getting bumped, you know, by two, three people. So that's something where Garland's going to have to adjust to, where Mitchell has been through that. So I know Mitchell can handle that. I'm not saying that he can't because, like I said, he's put on muscle. But Garland's going to have to to deal with that this year, and that's going to be his growth this season. That's that's a really good point. That's a, that's a really good one. Uh, Thanks, for buddy. me, it was just coming out of the gates. Yeah, uh, I mentioned it when we talked about it. The first quarter, zero assists and seven turnovers. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks were outscored thirty-five to twenty, and they never dug out of that fifteen-point deficit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mounted a comeback. It was too late. They ended up losing by eight, but you know it left them wanting for more points in the first half than 42, 42 first half points. Yeah. Uh, over the three point or over the three games this week. In the first quarter, the Bucks were outscored 107 to 77. Jesus Christ. Bucks were outscored by 30 points in three games in the first quarter this past week. Yikes. So to me, coming out of the gates was something I'd like to see the Bucks improve. Going to the Nets game, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Fuck. I feel like I've been saying this for two years because I have. <laughs> The Bucks have to get their turnovers down. Mm-hmm. It has to, especially against teams that are more disciplined than, than the young athletic teams that are in this year's NBA. You can get away with having 15 or 20 turnovers when you're playing the Orlando Magic or the Houston Rockets or the Sacramento Kings even, like teams that are young that will do the same and they'll turn the ball over a ton too. Mm-hmm. can't do it against disciplined teams. 18 turnovers and 17 assists. Brooklyn got 24 points off of turnovers. And I said it. I hammered on it during the three games of the recaps. 24, 22, and 22 in the three games. Gotta cut down turnovers. That that Seriously, it makes such an improvement. Every time you turn the ball over, that's a possession where you did not get a shot. You didn't even get a bad shot. You got no shot. Yep. Literally nothing for your time or for your possession when you turn the ball over. Yep, it's wasted. I would literally rather have you shoot a half-court shot than commit a dumb turnover. Because at least you have a chance at it going in. True. And get a chance at points. Just take care of the ball. Like, make smarter passes. Slow down. I agree. So, my my thing to prove on is... Why are they letting the Brooklyn Nets be more physical? And this mainly goes to my point about them going at Giannis 
and it didn't seem like anybody responded. It felt like Giannis was fighting his own battle for a little bit, at least in my eyes, where he was the only one trying to, you know, step up for himself. Where if you go back to that series uh, back in 2020, um, you could look back and you could tell that the toughness that came from uh, from our team, you know, uh, Bobby was acting tough. Uh, Drew was acting tough. And that's where we get the quote from PJ. And he's talking about how we have dogs. They just didn't know it yet. Nobody acted like a dog, man. And that shit really, really bothered me. We ain't going to get punked by no skinny little dudes like that. Yeah. I never want to see that shit ever again. Okay. Yeah. I can't be seeing a photo of Giannis flexing and then these skinny little dudes are throwing them to the ground. No, I ain't doing none of that. Yeah. I expect the next game we play against the Bucks, the Bucks come out looking ready to kill them. That's what I really feel like. Um, the Celtics game, oh, God. And me and you talked about this. The thing that I'm looking for the next time we play the Celtics, I want us to play at our pace. Yeah. I'm so sick and tired of playing against the Celtics at their pace. It seems like every time that I watch the Bucks for Celtics, first of all, we're playing in Boston. Yeah. I, it really feels like that. I'm sorry. And then we're always playing at their pace. So no wonder that Tatum and Brown can look as good as they do. They're sleeping right. in their own beds. They're dribbling up how they want to dribble up. They're running their plays. They're all comfortable. No. Force the damn issue. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to the physicality thing too, but it's more of a yep. mental, physical thing. Play at your pace. Force the issue on defense. And let's stop getting punked. We ain't no punks, man. So that's my point. To me against the Celtics, <clears throat> and I, I kind of put this little nugget in there because I was going to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Treat Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum like they're Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. The Bucks actually defend those guys well. They do. True. But you know what they do most of the time? They put Wes Matthews on Steph Curry and they say, look him in the face until you go back on offense. Yeah. They literally face guard Steph Curry when they play the Warriors. There's there's no there's no other options. We can't let the the Celtics just set four screens until they get Jason Tatum on a guy who's four inches shorter than him. Yeah. You can't just let them switch, 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 and then they're like, okay, cool. Jason Tatum's being guarded by Javon Carter, and now he's just going to get basically a wide-open shot because he can see over the top of him. Yeah. So the Bucks, when playing the Warriors, they have a high intensity of focus on the Splash Brothers. But they play the Celtics with tons of switching, which it works at times. I will say that. It does work at times. But when Boston knows that you're doing it, it allows them to get the matchup that they want. Yeah. Um, you know, it does also, you would get into a lot of the rotations and stuff with it too. Uh, it leaves players like Grant Williams and Al Horford open for threes. So in this game, I mean, Jason Tatum was 14 of 22. Jalen Brown was 11 of 19. Al Horford was four for seven and Grant Williams was three for six. They were all over 50% shooting. Yeah. So that's that's what I had for the Celtics game. Um, overall, I want to say just a couple things on a couple different players. One, Grayson Allen. Uh, people are mad that he's doing a lot of pump fake and driving to the basket. Mm-hmm. He did dunk on two people, mainly Derek White, during the, the Celtics game. With the left, bro. <laughs> with the, yeah, with the left. Um, and he's, actually, he's pretty acrobatic finisher around the rim. 
So like he it's is. not like he's doing something he's bad at, first of all. True, true. And in his last five games, he's four for 13 on threes, which is 31%, which is about 10% lower than his season average, like 40.8. Um, mm. So he, the threes aren't going down for him right now, and he knows that. So he's just trying to get to the rim to get some better looks. So people giving mm-hmm. him shit because he's not just jacking up threes, I don't really think is a fair thing. Because when you're a basketball player and you're not making long-range shots, the two things you do are you try to get layups and you try to get to the free-throw line. Yeah, so you can see the ball going through the hoop. 100%. That's just basketball one-on-one for people that have played it before. Nope, not if you're sitting on your couch watching the game. You get to say whatever you want. <laughs> That's why I use that last sentence for people that have played it before. When you're not hitting threes, you get closer to the basket or you get free throws. Yep, try to catch a rhythm. Right. Or maybe create some open looks for your teammates, which is always good. Nope, you got to shoot all the all the threes. <sighs> I mean, if you say so. Like, I, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'll shoot. I'm I'll shoot too. Like... They ain't going to go in, but I'll shoot too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then – the other guy I want to touch on real quick is Marjan Bochamp. People got to stop acting like he's not playing at all. Um, he was sick for two weeks, and he lost like six pounds. And he's been back for seven games. In the very first one, he didn't play much. It's, it's literally his first game back. Mm-hmm. And he played five games straight over 15 minutes a game. Like, if... If you're a rookie, like 15 minutes a game should be what you're targeting, honestly. And he started two of those games. So once you start getting over that 20 minute, that's where you're in like the key role player territory. I'd mm-hmm. say anything under like 12 minutes a game and you're looking at, you know, just bench players. But for Marjan mm-hmm. to be averaging around 15 minutes a game, I think is perfect for him. I think that's the perfect amount of minutes. I agree. And... I just don't think 22 games into his career is the right time to throw him into uh, playing against Boston. Like, I just, you know, my opinion, I don't think he's ready for Boston in his 23rd game of his career. Um, now, the what I will say is they play, um, they play the Celtics next on February 14th. Mm-hmm. Is the next time they play the Celtics. That game, I could see him being ready for the Celtics. He's got a, over a month, about a month and a half, to get more NBA experience. That's like another. That's basically going to double his experience between now and then. And that's where I say you can, you know, throw him into the fire a little bit. But I don't want him twenty games into his career losing confidence because Jason Tatum scored thirty on him. Right. And you know, all those people are talking like, "Oh, I wish we had an athletic wing that could play defense." And the Bucks put him in in the in the early in the second half against the Cavaliers because uh, Donovan Mitchell I forgot who he crossed over first but he crossed somebody over and he had a three literally one of the first possessions of the second half he literally crosses over Marjan and hits a three it's like dude this kid is young he's still new Donovan Mitchell is a whole nother level he's never seen that dude dropped Tatum, 50 in the playoffs before yeah and Tatum is above him in my opinion mm-hmm. so I mean to have him just go out there like. Yeah, why don't you go guard Jason Tatum, the guy that went head up with LeBron James as an 18-year-old. Yeah, go ahead. The thing that bothers me when people talk about this is, well, well, he can't do worse than the people who were on him. Yes, he can. He could. The potential is that he could, but you could also 
destroy his confidence. Right. Which, you know, to me is more important than one game with the Celtics. Agreed. Um, not to mention that the five games where he played those 15 or more minutes and started two were Memphis, Utah, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and New Orleans. Four of those five are in the top four of their conference. Those are all pretty good teams, I won't lie. Utah right now is in the play-in. They're a True, team that but... started hot, and then they're like, oh, shit, I forgot we we're supposed to tank. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to say that about Marjan. Um, other than that, what's next for the Bucks? We got actually four games in between now and next Wednesday. We have tonight. They're at Chicago, mm-hmm. finally ending their what six-game road trip. Yep. Um, and then they are home against Minnesota on Friday, and then they have two home games against Washington on Sunday and Tuesday. Johnny Davis will be back in Wisconsin. So I'm going to say a 4-0 week. Like, like I mentioned it when we were starting in the Celtics game, that I do think the Bucks could go on a seven-game winning streak in their next seven games, and then after that I think they play Miami. So I think that's really their first real roadblock in the next two weeks. Um, so I'm going to say a 4-0 week for the Bucks. I will also say 4-0. The one game that they might lose would be tonight against the Bulls because of no Drew or Chris. Uh, and that's I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because Chris Middleton was doing dribbling work and some shooting work um, after practice yesterday. Um, I do think he's going to play Friday, I think. If I had to guess a date when he'd be back, I'd say Friday. And people need to give him time because Pat Connaughton – was struggling for a little bit when he first yep. came back. He's got to get an NBA shape. Yep. So, I mean, that's just one of the main reasons you need to calm the hell down yep. because we need to have our team gelling at the right time. Right. And that's the thing about Brooke Lopez because people were getting on Brooke Lopez too about taking a step back, not getting seven blocks a game. I didn't expect him to keep that pace up, for one. And also, he's probably tired as shit. <laughs> he's played a lot of basketball already, so – I expect when we get into the dog days, the real dog days, you know, the yeah. Januarys, the Februarys, we're going to start having some games where Marjan is starting and he's playing 35 minutes. So for all those people that are crying about that, that'll happen. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting Giannis will have some rest. Some rest. Yeah, Giannis will get some rest. We'll rest everybody. Yeah. Um, but relax. Let Chris get his legs under him before we really judge the full potential of this team. Right. Same thing with uh, Joe, Joe Jingles. I call him Joe Jingles. Um. I haven't said that on here. I only say that to Alex when I'm on Xbox. You just call him Jingles. I just, no, I say JJ, Joe Jingle, baby. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's my thing. I just like it. Um, but, you know, Jingles, let him get his legs under him too. So yes. the Bucks will be fine. Like you said, shooting percentages will go up when Chris is back on the floor. So, yep. And also, we will gain that wing defender that everybody's complaining about. So thank you. That'll be nice. If, uh, if I had a dollar for everybody saying we needed a three and D guy in the last week, I'm like, bruh. <laughs> yeah, we got one of those. Oh, you mean in like a six eight guy who can shoot like forty percent from the three point line and like fifty percent on some mid range and like you know eighty eight percent from the free throw line? Who's not? You know, he's not crazy athletic, but he's long. Oh, smart. Yeah, we have that guy. He's already on our team. No trade necessary. (laughs) 
exactly. And and like you said, give him some time. He's not going to be prime Chris Middleton in the first fucking game that he plays. Nope. We are in the age of social media, so you have to produce now. It's the instant gratification, and I get it, and I get that's the reality we live in. But for mm-hmm. fuck's sake, stop overreacting to small sample sizes. I'm going to call Elon Musk and tell him to deactivate fucking Twitter if I see one more person going, oh my God, we lost this one game. Our whole season is trash. Yeah. it's It blows my mind because Brewers fans did the exact same thing with Devin Williams at the beginning of last baseball season. He had two bad games in their first series and they're like, oh my God, Devin Williams sucks. And it's like, he has pitched 97 innings with like a 243 ERA. And you're mad because he's had one inning pitched in the last two games where he's given up runs. Bro, look at how fair weather some Packers fans look right now. Oh my God. It's terrible. It is. Like just, just take a step back. They're like, we're four and eight. Let's tank. And now all of a sudden we're seven and eight. And they're like, oh, I was always on the Packers bandwagon. No, you weren't. Okay. I saw you. I saw you, you son of a bitch. I saw you give it up. Now get the hell out of here. I don't want you part of my team. You soft motherfucker. I don't want you cheering for the same people I cheer for. I'm so sick and tired of this shit. My don't God, dude. Don't until the chances are zero. And, you know, the Bucks' chances of making the playoffs right now is like 99.8. The Bucks made the playoffs right now. <laughs> Unless Giannis gets hurt, which I still wouldn't give up. Exactly. I still wouldn't give up. Yep. But unless Giannis literally gets hurt for the entire year, I'm not giving up. They literally made the playoffs today. Like, they're in the playoffs. Like, they're literally they're the, the second playoffs. best record in the NBA. Christ almighty, man. I just – I get so goddamn riled <clears throat> up by these stupid-ass people now, dude. All right. I really want to well, call it all the fans that gave up on the Packers because it just pisses me off, dude. I'm sorry. I, I hear you. And – the thing you'll find with us, if you watch our show, is you'll find consistency. Because even through the worst of the worst of the Packers season, we're still saying, you know, we're not giving up until the chances are zero, even when their chances were down to like 2%. Nope. And Two we're times out laughing. of 100, it still happens. And we're still laughing, and we're still talking about how they could do it. And exactly. now, and, you know, I'm so happy that we do this, dude, because now when I, like, talk to people and they're like, oh, you're probably a Fairweather fan, I'm like, bro. I got video footage of me not giving up. Go check it right, out. Right. Because I didn't give up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that said, listen, we're not oh God, I can't believe the season needs to be said. We're not trading Chris Middleton. I can't believe that it even needs to be said. It's annoying to me that it needs to be said. People are like, oh, the, the Giannis would be mad if we let Thanasis go. I guarantee you he'd be more pissed if we traded Chris. No. No. He he literally he was on uh Sergi Baca's show and he said that the his favorite teammate was his brother. And he said for the reason is because he's always happy and he keeps the energy of the team up, which we have said on this show, by the way. Yes, we have. So I th- oh it's a one A one B situation for me. I don't get rid of either of them because I don't want him pissed at all. Right. <laughs> So the Bucks aren't trading Chris Middleton, but the Bucks could use a little bit of reinforcements. 
Um, Jake, I want you to say the way that you described it because it ties into all three of my players, but you, you said you know what's wrong with the Bucks. So I want to see, you know, I want to hear what you said again, and then let's talk about three trade targets each that we want for the Bucks. Okay, so I'm not going to say word for word what I said, but I'm going to explain it a little bit. Me and you were talking earlier, and I said, you know what? I figured out what's wrong with the Bucks is physicality. These people are coming in here, and they're pushing us around, and they're thinking that we some punks, and that just ain't the case. But, you know, I was like, we were, we were trying to think of new ideas, trying to add to the show together, and we came up with the idea of doing trade targets. And I'm like, that's a great idea. We could take, you know, the physicality aspect that I'm talking about. We can put our brains together for trade targets, kind of combine the two, you know, when that's what happens with me and Tyler, bro. We just we come together and we make beautiful baby ideas. So that was weird, <laughs> but I'm with it. Hey, dude, everything's weird. Whatever. Be weird. Don't be normal. But my first one, I'm just going to dive right into it. My are you first going three, one, two, one or are you going one, two, three? I'm doing three, two, one. Okay, good. Three, two, one. So my number three. <laughs> this one's fun for me, at least. I want to trade for two people, Freeston Rocks. And one is Boban, just because I love Boban. And he's big and physical, and I think that he could be a guy that could also, you know, lift the spirit of the team. And then Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. plays hard. He's an athletic guy. He can get to the get to the rim. He can finish. He's nice, young, fresh legs that has a lot of game experience already. Because he was playing down there in Houston last year. He's just running back and forth. You know, and he's he's learning on the fly here. So Kevin Porter Jr. and Bobon, I don't know what you trade for. I'm not going to get into that. But I'm just picking my trade targets who I would like. And I told Tyler before he's going to like my number two. So I might switch my number two and my number one. All right. But my number three, my number three is Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's the most obvious one. That's why he's number three and not number two or one for me. But just having the the three and D guy, the, the quote unquote the PJ Tucker role player, mm-hmm. um, that's why Jay Crowder is my number three. So my number two is Jay Crowder. So I sw- I'm right. switching them because All I right. feel really good about my next one. But you know Jay Crowder, you like you said, he just he fills right in. You know right. you can put him right in the starting lineup, or he can come off the bench. He's done both. But if you're training for Jay Crowder, he's starting right. Yep. You're taking him. You're going to be like, all right, listen, you go over there and Tatum. All right. Uh, Holiday is done with Brown. Okay. You switch over here. Middleton, you go over here. And he's kind of just a plug and play guy, a yep. dirty pail, you know, lunch pail guy and uh dirty pail guy. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's, a, he's a lunch pail guy. But Jay Crowder, man, he would be a great fit on this team. And I at first reunite I him in Milwaukee, too. Yeah, actually. I was kind of like, mm, I hate Jay Crowder. He always kills us. But if he's on our team, he can't kill us, right? <laughs> right. My number two is Marcus Morris. Ooh. He's like he's gotten into it a little bit with Giannis in the past when he was on the Celtics and stuff. But okay. I don't think it's to a point where like like where James Harden and Giannis are at, where like they literally like James Harden has talked shit about him. Mm-hmm. But Marcus Morris and Giannis, they know they've butted heads, but to me it's always been like a competition, you know, where it's you know, the love of competition, that's why they've always bumped, you know, butted heads. But Marcus Morris, he's one of the most physical dudes in the league. Mm-hmm. And he can actually make the three-pointer a little bit. So he would still get that three and D and size yeah. as well. Um, 
He's like like Bobby Portis, but a little bit more physical on defense and a little less efficient on offense. That's fair. So, That's fair. you know, Marcus Morris, I think, would actually really fit the Bucks and give another versatile defender, but also do with some size, physical. He can score a little bit. He'll get rebounds. I mean – um, you know, I think that's I think that's a solid target for the Bucks if the the Clippers are willing to part with him. Um, what's up, James? What's up? Um, we should look. What is this Mila Yoli person doing? Telling everybody to go. I don't know. I got rid of those. Well, what are you, What are you doing over here? <laughs> um, you right. I like this one. I'm a really big fan of this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we know. But yeah. we're just kind trying to, I don't know, spice things up. Um, just add another Swiss Army knife to the lineup, kind of. Yeah. My next one is Malik Beasley. Um, uh, talk- that's a good one. I thought about it. That's a good one. I like him a lot. <laughs> so do I. You talked about Utah before, and I was like, this bastard is on the trail. <laughs> He's on the trail. Um, Malik Beasley is a guy that can like straight up light it up. He yeah. could straight up stripe it from three. He yeah. plays hard on defense. Uh, Utah is just going to start going like this eventually. And as soon as they fall out of that playing contention, they're going to be sellers. And Malik Beasley is the only guy on that roster I'm looking at that we can get for at least even a decent price. I don't know what his contract is. I'd have to look into that. But Malik Beasley sliding into that two spot. Oh, man. You want to talk about spacing. Get a healthy Middleton and Malik Beasley on the floor at the same time. That would be nice. That would be a nice outlet for Giannis to to find. Can I tell you, Malik Beasley to me, and I I really love this guy's game. He's a little bit like Macal Bridges to me. Oh, I wrote down he's a young Robert Covington. God, oh, Robert Covington is my guy, but he's Malik Beasley's only six four. Covington is six seven. I know, I know, but. Beasley can light it up like Covington could back in the day. Covington used to be able to shoot, but he's become more of a defender now. But yeah, Beasley can um, straight up shoot the ball. Dang it. I should have just said what I thought. Malik Beasley is on 15 million. He's on 15 million. So I think technically they would be allowed to do Grayson Allen and George Hill. Because that'd be Works 12 and a half. Work, so hey, I think dude. they could do that. It works for me. We still, we, I mean, we're getting Malik Beasley back. Right. We st- you know, we still have Carter for the backup point guard role. Right. I mean, when Middleton comes back, he handles the ball enough anyways. So does Giannis. So, I mean, right. that would be a perfect trade. All right. James, are you listening? <laughs> My number one is Grant Williams. What? Nope. I'm not on board. I hate that guy. I'm not on board. Not. On I don't board. like him either. The dude's a flopper, and I hate that I want to trade for him because he's a flopper. But listen, the dude is 6'6". He's scrappy. James, the Celtics might not be able to have him either. They chose not to extend his option for next year. True. So what are the Celtics doing with him? And the dude... The dude makes threes. We literally saw it in the playoffs where he can have a game where he goes like seven for nine from the fucking three-point line and scores 24 points in 18 minutes. Damn it. I know it makes a lot of sense, but I refuse. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, man. I'm like, uh, 
They have to sign Tatum. They have to sign Brown. That's a lot of money right there between those two guys who are young and and I know Tatum's up for the Supermax. I don't know about Brown, no. but I think Brown would have to make like an All NBA team or All Defensive team, right? Right. So if he makes either of those this year, he's up for the Supermax. That's two Supermax contracts. Ah oh, man, yeah. The Celtics eventually, you know, and and like you say, we bring this up all the time. The law of averages, right? Right. I've said this about football forever. You know, your your team's stacked, right? Look at look at the Buccaneers. They're stacked. They're stacked. They're stacked. They're winning Super Bowls. They're losing this guy, losing this guy, losing this guy, losing this guy. That's just what happens, man, with yep. the salary cap. So right. same thing's going to happen to the Celtics eventually, where the right. Bucks are just going to keep surviving on having Giannis and a bunch of really, really, really good role players, right. which we're going to find out a lot about the Celtics GM in the future here. So I'm very mad that that made sense. I know. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed that you picked it because it may it makes sense. You know, he's a guy, he would know Tatum and Brown, you know, so he would know some of their moves. Ah, oh, man. Dude, listen, look at all the guys in the East that we would have to go against. True. Like you, could, you could put him – you could put him on KD. You could probably put him on Ben Simmons even just because, like, where is Simmons going to score from if not the restricted circle? True. You could probably even put him on Kyrie. You could easily put him on Jimmy Butler. You could put him on Pascal Siakam. You could probably put him on the Cavaliers point guards. You already mentioned Tatum and Brown, and you'd have the familiarity with them. Mm-hmm. Like, you might have to pay a little extra because it's Boston, but like, like you said, it does make sense. Uh, no. <laughs> to me, no. he's a slightly better, little bit less of a dog than Jay Crowder, but he's also like six years younger true so, yeah he shoots well he plays defense yeah he guards Giannis really well too because he's a he's a he's a thick boy i'll say he could take and he could take the the beating he does he takes the contact to the chest he does mm-hmm. um he flops which is annoying to me but what did i tell you on christmas what did i tell you on christmas it is a prerequisite to play on the Celtics, you have to flop. That's true. And James, I don't give a shit what you say because it's true. It's yeah, it's literally like all of them, dude. And you just picked up Blake Griffin, literally known for flopping. True. I'll I'll give Robert Williams credit. He's not a, Robert Williams, isn't it? Isn't a we don't flop. We sell. It's literally the same thing, James. Literally the same thing. You're you're literally saying synonyms right now. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> James said, "I swear that man doesn't look as big as he is. Yeah, he's he's six six. That looks six two. I'll I'll agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, six seven footer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll say Robert Williams doesn't flop. I'll give you one guy that doesn't. Yeah, he did. Everybody he else flopped, in the but... top eight of your rotation does. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think Horford flops. Horford has too much respect. He's been around the game for a while." I'll tell you this, Marcus Smart's the biggest flopper in the NBA. Yeah. Not even close. And yeah. Not even close. Like he's literally like you you ever see that that tiers of of best dunkers in NBA history? And they have uh they have Vince Carter in a category by himself, and they start yep. tier one. Like Marcus Smart of like the floppers <laughs> is like his own tier. James said Marcus Smart be making it look real though. <laughs> Bro, he literally <laughs> who the hell was he playing against? 
the guy like did like a little bump and like, bro, you're just gonna have to take that sometimes, right? And he slid like seven feet. I'm like, ain't no damn way. The one this that gets man. me is where he's going up for the rebound and he gets like just touched and he flies like six bro. feet out of bounds and he like turns his body sideways and like does like a superman in midair. That's the one that gets me every time. I'm like, this man is gonna watch it later and be like, what bro? It does not look like he got fouled, bro. James. I could have my stepson come down here. Well, not right now because he says that. But I could have him come down here and, like, touch me, right, like this. And if I throw my head back, it looks like a reel, right? No, because that's what Marcus Smart does. He's like, oh, rebound? Like, what are you doing, bro? That one gets me every time. The one where he's going up for the rebound and then he just. Who the hell was that against? I don't remember. I I don't even remember because, like, it's hard to not look at Marcus Smart. That's a really good point, Mark. That's a really good point. James said if Marcus Smart was in the WWE, he'd be making money. That's a good career choice for him after basketball. <clears throat> He's making money in the NBA <laughs> doing that. Bill said my wife hates basketball. Even she wonders why Marcus Smart is on the floor with no contact. <laughs> what does that tell you, James? Tell me what that tells you. Please, Just, just one time, just admit that he flops. Uh... Admit that he flops. Don't say we sell. You could say you could say bad things about your team. It's okay. Like it's fine, bro. Like it's not that big of a deal. Just say that he flops. I just want to hear it from you one time. All right. <sighs> Is there anything else you want to say about Badger football, Badger basketball, Bucks basketball? Anything else? Nah, man. Let's. Uh, Smart does what he does. Man, I'm done. Get him out of here. <laughs> um, he does what he does, which means he flops. Um, Badger True. football, all exciting, like I said. Uh, Badger basketball, we got a couple games coming up, so hopefully they can get back in the rhythm here. And then Bucks, you know, playing the Bulls, kind of a revenge game kind of deal. So let's get a dub tonight, man. I hope Grayson Allen scores 30 tonight. I always hope Grayson goes crazy against the Bulls. I always do. Just so we have an excuse to share that meme. <laughs> yes. I'm totally down for that. Uh, that would be great timing. You too, Tim. All right. You too, Tim. Uh, we will be back on Friday with our Packers show with Simon and Bryant. Uh, mm-hmm. Be sure to tune in for that because we are getting closer to potential playoffs. So that's definitely going to be a, a good show on Friday night as well. And I will see you Friday. Also. If we win this game and the Browns lose, and I'm kind of hoping for the Lions to win so we have, like, an exciting game to go to, Tyler and I are going to the Packers-Lions game. So that would be an absolutely crazy atmosphere to be at. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, like, brag or anything, but that would just be an awesome game to be at. So um, cheering for the Browns, kind of a little bit cheering. If the, if the Lions lose to the Bears, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Let's just, True. Let's just say what it is. But It's also funny that if we go to that game, like, It'll be January 8th. Yeah. That might end up be the warmest game that we go to. I know, bro. What the hell? Like, we went to the Monday night game against the Rams, and we went to the Thursday night game together against the Titans, and the right. January game might end up being the warmest of the three. <laughs> Welcome to Wisconsin. <laughs> Lovely. All right, man. Oh, I will see you Friday. Yes, sir. Take care, man. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.